the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 87, and our guest is Daryl Hance. Daryl is a singer, songwriter, and guitar player whose music means so much to me, y'all. Daryl was the original guitar player for the band Mofro, now known as J.J. Gray and Mofro. That band influenced my musical education in huge ways, but it's Daryl's solo stuff that inspired us to connect and have this conversation. He has this really distinct way of playing guitar that I adore, just a couple of licks, and I can instantly recognize a Daryl Hance tune. Describing his music is next to impossible, but it's uh, it feels like the soundtrack to my life. It's swampy, it's bluesy, it's funky, it's sexy, it's soulful, and uh, I am just so honored to have had the opportunity to record with Daryl and bring this one to you. Everyone, my conversation with Daryl. We are here together until I live in the end. Don't ever want to leave here. Hope will always be around. Okay. Awesome. I have a couple cue balls here. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Kindred spirits. Why was I thinking about baldness the other day? Oh, somebody made a joke on Twitter about, I said, what should I get for, uh, I got a gift card to Amazon. And somebody made a joke that I should get a uh, mullet to pay. And it was a, <laughs> it was a friend of mine, you know, and I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> And I was like, man, I can grow a damn mullet. Like, <laughs> that's not my problem. Yeah, <laughs> I just can't grow a head of hair. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta start wearing a crash helmet or something. Get one of them skull cats because I hit my head on everything <laughs> anymore. Right, oh. and the same stuff over and over too. Yeah, well, that's a. I mean, it's funny. Like, it's you know, I, I think I was twenty. I was 26, I think, when I first started shaving my head, and I had a, I had a girlfriend. I, I went abroad for a little while, and I grew. I came back. She hadn't seen me in a while, and she was like, "Baby, it's just it's time to let go." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, uh, I was looking at because <laughs> you don't notice, right? No, somebody else says it. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize it. I was like, I still got hair. I'm good. And then it just wasn't growing <laughs> here, and it wasn't growing <laughs> here. And she was right. And yeah. Start looking like a mangy possum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, man, exactly. Well, Daryl, thanks so much for doing this, man. I am stoked to talk to you. Yeah, man. Thanks for thanks for having me on here, man. I've been seeing you out there and about for a while and uh, kind of mean to hit you up and just uh, and then when you did that uh, blast there a while back um, about guitar players and I was like, I figured that'd be a good, good opportunity. So I'm so glad you did. You know, it's, it's fun. It's been really fun to do this research and go back and listen to your music. I, you know, the first time I saw you play guitars was with Mofro and the Jacksonville Symphony Orchestra. That was the very first time I saw you play. And that had to be like 2004 or something like a long time ago, five, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and then uh, I've followed your career since and I've gotten to see you play uh, you do your one man band thing several times. Um, and I, I mean, I really, I, what I haven't gotten a chance to see, and we can get into all this too, mm -hmm. is I haven't gotten to see just you play your songs with a band. That's something mm -hmm. that I think would be really fun. Because one of the things that, that, that I love about the, the thing that kind of brought us here on Twitter was that there's something so unique about the sound of Daryl Hans playing guitar. And there's, and it's something that really speaks to me. Um, and I think I noticed it when you were in Mofro, but when on your, so in your solo stuff, it's so apparent. And like that essence of this very completely unique sound that hits me in a, in a place that really nobody else's does. I mean, there's lots of guitar tones I love and there's lots of playing styles I love. And there's lots of things I love sonically about different guitar players, but I just don't know anybody who does it the way that you do. And so I'm really glad that we're having this conversation and I'm excited to kind of unpack that. Oh yeah. Shit, man. Thanks. Glad you dig it. Uh, I just play it, <laughs> but I was, I was always, early on i mean before i got into blues and that whole and the old school funk and soul music and all that <clears throat> i really gravitated toward guitar players like the edge and andy summers and jimmy page and jimmy hender and people who had a really a, a visual aspect to their playing you know just like they made painted these uh landscapes and stuff with their guitar and I, just, I was always drawn to that type of uh, vibe or what, you know, whatever you want to call it, sound. So, or, you know, use a lot as an effects and different, different things, using space and, and all that and whatnot. So. That's really interesting that you named those particular guitar players uh, and uh, what you're, what you're describing there makes a ton of sense to me. Um, but the but the, when I listen, I'm hearing much more of the blues, and I'm I'm hearing much more um, of a kind of this of the the obvious swampy influence to some things. And that that idea of space is something that I aspire to in my own art, whatever it is, if it's me writing or playing guitar or whatever, because I feel like it's so hard, especially you know, for me at least, like I'm, I'm constantly just wanting to like say stuff, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, 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 do yeah. stuff. So just sitting is hard sometimes and, it, but it's so powerful. Yes. Yeah, so I think it come for me, as far as it comes from me, probably just being a little bit on the lazy side or laid back, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not like laid back in everyday life. I'm very active. I'm always doing something. The brain's always trolling around, but I guess more so in my demeanor is kind of more, you know, that way so it comes through and that way you know 
And that's wonderful. You know, one of the interesting things about doing this research was as I prepared for this conversation, I didn't realize that that you kind of got a relatively late start in playing, first of all, playing guitar specifically, and then singing and writing songs. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and like what those moments looked like in terms of making the decision to say, hey, I'm, I'm picking up the guitar and then realizing maybe you were had some promise at this. And can you kind of walk us through that a little bit? Because I, I found that super interesting. Yeah, I started, uh, first thing I really gravitated to is uh, drums. When I was about uh, 11 or 12, I had a friend that had a drum set and I was just mesmerized. And he played in a school band. I just got mesmerized by it. And everything was about drums. And, and then uh, uh, my dad, traded a shotgun to one of his buddies for a, a, a drum set and that lasted about a year and a half and then he got a shotgun back and gave the dude his drum set back I got tired <laughs> of hearing it. so uh fast forward to my last year in high school he actually it was my dad who kept why don't you play guitar he probably because guitar is a lot quieter so i took my tax return check and when i was 17 in high school and uh got uh my first guitar then six or eight months later i was playing with friends in the band just we just happened to be hanging out at a friend mutual friend's house and uh met up with a, another another guy and uh we just ended up forming a band and had a band together for the next three years on and off and then in two in 2000 let me back up a little bit 1990 uh uh, I hooked up with JJ and we had another band, uh, more of a, like an alternative rock type band, like in the early nine, early nineties. And then the latter part of that, you know, Mofo evolved out of that years later than, uh, but even before like Mo, Mofo had taken, started to kind of take off and, you know, we had kind of started growing in different directions as far as him honing his songwriting and me discovering, Hey, I can write songs too. Mm. And, contributed a few musical ideas early on but most of the time i was touring with a with his band i uh i was writing my own songs and coming home doing demos kind of gearing toward what i'm doing now anyway just you know the the only reason i really stayed as long as i did with that situation is a, a we're friends you know yeah. and b it was kind of one you know it's already in motion so it's kind of one of those things and okay at some point you got to got to drop off either do it or you know songs just keep coming so it for me it's just kind of a slow evolution you know the only thing i know is like when I, once i hit about uh 14 years old i knew i wanted what i wanted to, to do like music for a living i just didn't know you know what does that look like you know you just kind of got to figure it out so i think that's but, uh, amazing man because like you're first of all just to know that that early i think is amazing you know like i, I I, I thought I was going to be the shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds when I was 14, you know, and <laughs> yeah. there was no evidence that I was capable of that, but uh, that's what I still yeah. thought, you know, and life has gone in so many different directions for me since then. But like to know that even before you were really playing music. Yeah. How, it's kind of weird. How I just, does that I just, happen? I don't know. I just made that connection. It's like, that's where I fit. You know, I had no musical upbringing or anything. No one, my family, I had a grandfather, that played a guitar but uh i was never around him really so uh 
and an uncle that played guitar, but again, I was never really around him. So I just, I, I learned guitar more from friends, you know, just mutual friend, mutual friends, just friends and mutual friends that uh, played guitar, just always ended up around people that could play, you know, yeah. just, you know, people that could already play and learn from there. How, and again, like, and maybe this speaks to just the fact that you knew you were going to do it, but to start playing that young and then to, to form that first band with your buddies, um, I, I feel like is a pretty bold move. Is that just like, is that, Hey, this is a thing I had to do. Or is that like some of the hubris of youth or like, how did you? Yeah, it was a, it was kind of just, uh, I had just gotten out of high school and, uh, I already knew what I wanted to do and just, uh, we would all kind of meet up this mutual friend's house on Friday just to drink beer and stuff. And me and my buddy and, uh, another friend of a friend ended up there and he could already play guitar and had, had original songs he'd wrote. And we ended up, you know, talking just like every other band and, you know, the history of music is great. And just friends start playing together. And then, you know, uh, a year later we had a, a pretty good demo tape, um, and uh, never went anywhere with it, but and actually just rediscovered the demo tape about five years ago. Mm. And uh, it's actually quite so, man, this is pretty good for wow, just for four knuckleheads that just got out of high school, you know, yeah, you know, just in Jacksonville, Florida in 1987. Uh, totally off the music map it was kind of like a post-punk rock band kind of thing yeah. you know it was in, influenced by u2 and uh uh all that like the clash and stuff like that but it just just weird man how the life is man it just kind of unfolds and well for me anyway just where you don't now i have a pretty strong vision of things but back then the only thing i knew i wanted to play music you know I'm not even sure if I answered your question, but you have beautifully. There had to be like a sense <laughs> of there had to be a sense of and, and this now in your music, it very much comes through that you're in touch with your intuition. And it or at least that's what I that's what I interpret when I hear it, the, your music. And I wonder if at that time you had that same sense. Yeah, I did. And um I kind of lost that over the years. Um mm. because and I think that's more from um, playing with people that, uh, had their own vision and strong. And I just play, you know, I was more the side man. <clears throat> so you start, you kind of rely, you default to somebody else's decision-making and stuff like that. And that can, you know, if that can mess with you, if you have a vision, you know, eventually it kind of, you either got to follow us in your head or follow us in somebody else's head, you know, mm-hmm. and following what's in somebody else's head didn't wasn't working for me anymore, you know, or at least that in that capacity, you know, I, uh, even back, uh, when I was playing in other bands with other people, I still had ideas and, you know, the, the urge to do it, to songwrite and stuff like that. But, uh, I kind of suppressed it because it's like, uh, well, he can, he can already write songs or he can already sing. You know? I didn't even discover I could actually sing until I was, you know, 20, seven mm. 26 27 wow. mm. uh I, I messed around with lyric writing lyrics but it's not more poetry kind of stuff but but as far as music from the first time i picked up a guitar you know it didn't take me long and i was already kind of off you know you know i can remember one time when i was uh 
17, about six months after I bought a guitar, a friend had a delay digital delay pedal mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I plugged into it and just sat up for about six hours all night where everybody else is passed out and drunk and, and stoned and just played with this delay pedal. All night. <laughs> it was like, like my first entrance into, uh, you know, that crew channel that creativity into something. You know, I was just like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love and that I, story. So I, I, I love that. I love that story. And I, and I find it inspiring that you weren't really writing or, or singing, well, specifically singing, you said, but also not really writing all that much until your, your late 20s. I mean, that's, I find that yeah. inspiring. Not that that's old by any means, but it is mm-hmm. old to start that kind of work. Um, was there a moment where, where you kind of felt like, okay, wait, I'm pretty good at this and I can do this. Yeah. I was just, uh, I mean, I'd always, I'd had a, even as young as like, uh, I think, uh, how was I maybe 20, I got my first four track and started putting down <laughs> musical ideas and playing recording and all. Um, and even before that I was run through a mixer into a tape deck and re, you know, coming up with riffs and play making little musical ideas. Um, but uh, uh, I've totally just zoided on that question. <laughs> I was like, yeah. no, I off. get it. I get it. Um, my, my question was, <laughs> I never hit the light questions. <laughs> I think that's what happens sometimes. Um, what does, I guess what I'm, what I wonder is if there was, if you had a sense of, you know, you, you start writing songs a little bit later, if you had a sense uh-huh. If there was a moment where you went, I'm pretty good at writing songs. I could make my own records of my own songs. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was that's like a I'm moment scared. or like or what led to you feeling like you could do that? Because you mentioned kind of being you didn't use the word creatively stifled, but that's kind of what I'm interpreting that you were sort yeah. of like following somebody else's vision. Yeah, that uh, I'd always contribute, you know, to the projects I was in as contributing. He's always had musical ideas and riffs and music. Um, and then in 1996, is there 96, 97, I think mm-hmm. right around in there, I was again, recording demo, you know, making up songs or uh, music and picked up the microphone and just started kind of, you know, bumbling along with it. And the next thing I know, I just locked into this song, this lyric line and, and kind of blew my mind. It's just like, you know, and I'm sure every, a lot of, you know, artists and stuff, the songwriters have that moment where, whoa, shit, what's this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, was, that was a pretty, pretty big revelation for me right there. That, cha- that was a game changer for everything. But, you know, it took me a while to kind of plug, you know, get a, get a handle on it. The, the, the first two songs that come out of my head, uh, actually one of them, I just kind of revamped it recently and turned it into you know, kind of updated it. And the other one ended up on my first record, Hallowed Ground, uh-huh. song Washing Us Away. And I probably wrote, rewrote the lyrics about a hundred times before I, you know, I just demoed it over and over through the years, you know, kept messing with it, messing with it to finally got it, you know, in its state. But yeah, it was, it was 96 or 97, right around in there. Pretty that's, heavy moment. That's amazing. Is the, you mentioned something a second ago that just made me think, and this may be just self-indulgent because I like talking about North Florida and Jacksonville specifically, but was there like a, in 86, you mentioned, you were talking about, you know, 
playing music in 86 and you were playing more, you were inspired more by say you two, for example, what mm -hmm. was the scene? I, I kind of have my head around the scene. I'm 40. And so I kind of have my mm -hmm. head around the scene in Jacksonville the last 20 years or so. I've spent a, a decade on and off in Jacksonville. Um, what was this, the music scene like there? I mean, and, and were you, were you hanging with musicians that were doing all kinds of stuff and what was that looking like in, in the eighties? Um, yes, yeah, a whole different animal nowadays. And even the past 20 years, but in there, there was a lot of, there mostly is practice rooms. There used to be a practice room. Uh, you could rent out down at the, uh, what was that street? It's down there just North of downtown. It's right off of Edison. And I think it's Edison and Margaret. Mm -hmm. but uh it was a how there's some other building there now they've knocked it down it used to be halvern halvern halpert some something like waterproofing company mm -hmm. and there's and in the same building there's a couple of old refrigerators but they gutted them and it's just an empty shell of a room there's a couple of rooms down you can rent and there was all kind of bands over the years back then that would rent those rooms and practice uh for years we'd practice out in mcclenny but uh mm -hmm. there was a couple clubs uh Einstein and go go at the beach, and there was a Metropolis, which kind of I think it morphed into Milk Bar later on. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if that's the same owner or not, but there's a couple little spots like that, but they were always kind of short lived. Mm. So most most of that uh, Jacksonville scene there was a uh, kind of a, a lot of it was in practice rooms and places like that, and it, there was a lot of really cool bands around in. Uh, whether anybody knew it or not, you know, um, I kind of go into detail on that, on the, um, this, uh, the first band I had that I was talking about first crusade with, with other friends right after high school. Um, I put the demo on my YouTube page and there's a, a thing I wrote in the description section on there that goes kind of in detail a little bit about cool. the em environment, uh, I'll forward a link to you so you don't yeah, have to look for it. But uh that'd be great. It uh it, I kind of go into detail about it. there's a lot of cool banners. There's knock knock feature call on Raven One, who were some of the other ones. There was a census they were around that, but that was more like 90, early 90s. Uh trying to think. And there's a lot of the uh uh Ray Ray, uh, Stevie Stiletto was oh, around, uh -huh. but he but he's the one that he got kind of out of Jacksonville, went to the West Coast and around to other places, but uh Jacksonville was very insular back then. There wasn't a lot of places to play. There's a few small hole in the walls and nothing like it is today. It's a whole different whole different you know, thing now, man. There there was only I think six, seven hundred thousand people in Jacksonville. Maybe it might have just been cracking a million in the whole, you know, Nassau, Duval, St. John's, Clay Baker County area back then. It may have it may have been pushing a million, but probably more like the high hundred thousands. It's not like it's way up there now. <laughs> yeah. So how did you, if, if that, I think that's so interesting when I think about musicians, you know, coming up, folks that listen to this show are all across the country, all around the world, but especially all across the country in many different environments. And so when you're coming up in a scene like that, where there really aren't that many places to play, like what, what kind of keeps you moving and keeps you thinking, Hey, this is something that, I can make, you know, I can make a, a life out of. Yeah, probably just uh, watching MTV and listening to the radio back then. Oh, you know, wow. Uh -huh. Of course, the radio back then in Jacksonville was terrible. I like, bet. 
you know, Rock on a Five was cool, but it's the same playlist every, you know. It was same class. I can promise you it was worse in Ocala. <laughs> yeah. Same, same, same uh, AOR playlist from back then. But uh, uh, they had one little, JU had one little station, WFIN, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, it was like you could hear it across the street. Yeah, that was about it. It wasn't, but yeah, Jacksonville was very insular and not a lot of places to play. And, um, but I mean, that was any city around the, the country back then. But yeah, you just that go to work every day, you know, work your nine to five job and play music at night and the weekends. If you can play a gig out every once in a while, that was great. Uh, a lot, a lot the big thing back then was man we got to make a demo you know get a demo made make a demo you know uh -huh. go to a studio it used to be key studio down there on a rather right edison mcduff in the mm. 80 i think they they were open up till the early 90s i think or something like that but uh there's a magnum alford magnum alford studio there's a couple studios a few studios around town back then with a you know few tracks to work with that's fun, but, uh, man. Edison McDuff, that's over kind of by the the old dog track. Um, yeah, right down the street from it. Dog track's a school now, and I taught there for four years. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I used to live over... I used to work. I used to, I used to work at the dog track back in really? high school. Yeah. And the... Uh, Sorry for folks listening. We're going to go on. A, we're going to yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get back to the music. <laughs> but, uh, it's funny. The funny thing about working on a dog track, I think, is the first thing when you tell somebody that is they say, what do you do? Clean up dog shit? It's like, no, I actually work in the catering department, washing dishes and or at that point, <laughs> pots and pans. But but yeah, that that same same area right there. That's Sorry, so awesome. No, I love it. The, it. But I just think that's so interesting to me because I, I taught in that building you know, up until five years, four, no, how long have I been in Orlando? Four years, I guess, five years. Up until five years ago, I taught in that building and that's the same building that you many years earlier were washing dishes and I was yeah. teaching middle school. I just think that's, that's fascinating to me. That is, that's, that's really funny. I, I had no idea what it was now there, even if they do the dog track anymore. Mm -hmm. um, no, the, the, the dog track itself is the track for kids to run around. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, pretty wild, man. Um, the okay, so let's for we can we can get back to we can get back on track on the track. <laughs> um, I was listening. One of the fun things about going, like I said, doing this research was going back and and when Hollow Ground came out, I had it on compact disc, and uh, it that record. I love that record. I still love that record, and I hadn't listened to it in a while though. So it was super fun to do this research because I went back and listened to it and realized how much I loved the, like the, the discovery of those songs. Like I said, hearing you play that unique sound that you have um, and hearing them come together in that way. Uh, and then I was then I was going through, you know, Land of Trembling Earth and then Wild Blue Iris, your most recent um, mm -hmm. studio record. And when I was listening to all three, Again, the essence comes through in all three. The the Daryl Hansness, right? The that whatever that thing is you have, where with your guitar playing and your writing comes through. But they sonically, as I listen to the all three of them, they sonically are nuanced and different. And I thought that was really interesting to listen to them in a row as much as I did, mm -hmm. because you maintain that that same essence. Um, 
but I wonder like how much of a difference there was in approach to each record for you. Well, the first one was a shot in the dark. Um, I used a band, three piece, me, Anthony Cole, and a Jacksonville guy here, Shane Platten on bass, and uh, went in the studio. For folks listening, sorry, just for context, mm-hmm. like Anthony Cole was in Mofro and he's played with a whole bunch of different folks and is very well respected uh, musician in, in Florida. Yeah, he's a shit. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm what everybody hanging, says. I'm, 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 just hanging, I'm just hanging out with him. He's fun. Yeah, but, I think uh, I, I don't want to misquote Kevin Maines, but I think his his what he said. And for folks folks listening to this show, know Kev because he's been on the show and and I talk about him a lot. But I think he said like that that Anthony Cole is like the one of the two or three best musicians he's ever been around. Like he's just he, amazing. He can play. He can play. He can make music with a toaster. <laughs> so. All right. So anyway, so it's the three of you guys. Yeah. And we just banged it out in the studio and, um, you know, three piece kind of live, uh, last couple of tracks I did solo myself. Um, and then, um, mixed it at another studio, like uh, blackbird up there in Nash, Nashville. And the second one, um, uh, I recorded on my own, record all the instruments on my own. Um, just, because I had the time to do it and uh, actually record at JJ's house. He, at that time, he only lived about five miles from me and he had a studio set up out in his, his egg room. And I go over there and I spent about a year or so doing that. Um, mm. Played all, I, I think I got him to overdub a couple of things like uh, uh, a little organ and scene backup uh, on a couple of songs. But every sound, other than that, every sound on it I made. Mm. And that was kind of trying, but, uh, mm. um, and then the wild blue iris, uh, is kind of a little, a bit of a blend of mm. a lot of it's just me. And then, uh, and then Cameron weeks, the drummer I was playing with at that time plays on six tracks. And then I had another guy read Turchy play slide guitar on a couple of tracks. And, uh, and then the the latest album I've been working on, or I was working on it until about four, about three years ago, and then the computer shit in the bed. So it's kind of been on the back burner since. And plus, I'm involved with other projects, house projects, and mm-hmm. doing other doing other stuff. But uh, that one is uh, again, I'm playing all the instruments, and B. Gale plays the drums on that. And I've got about, I don't know, a couple weeks work. Once I get back into a couple weeks work to finish it up um, and hopefully get that out at some point in my lifetime. But uh, kind of moving in right now to go to uh, what I call my Beatles phase where <laughs> the, pl- the pl- I'm trying to get it where I can record here at the house. It's pretty close to that. Mm. Um, or actually, I'm going to record, do some recording here. It's just a, the whole mixing thing. So I'm hoping to get that sorted out pretty soon. And then I've got about eight or 10 more albums worth of material. If I want to sit down and do that, I want, I want to get finished up this album I got in the, on the back burner. And there's a couple more I kind of got, you know, staring floating around in the brain there. So I got a lot of, you know, recording to do. So I'm not sure how much live playing on me do coming up shortly, which kind of lends itself into, uh, what you were talking about with the live band earlier 
And yeah. part part of it is since I've been playing, you know, the past, you know, six, seven, well, ten years now, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I've never really had a lineup to coalesce into a, you know, like a lineup that goes out and tours uh, mm-hmm. regularly outside of playing as a two piece with Cameron and a B at different times. And uh, hopefully I can get back, you know, I got a little bit into that uh, before COVID hit, I was kind of a little bit on the comeback trail and I had a, I recorded a live album uh, with a band and uh, the bass players uh, um, living room down there in St. Augustine. It's called live at Rob's place. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but about the time I got rolling that COVID hit, so that changed everybody's plan. So, uh, just been kind of spending the last year, uh, fumbling around and <laughs> trying to figure things out like everybody else. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, that's ba- the ba- basic approach. I mean, ideally I'd love to go into a studio with a band and lay everything down and go out on tour, but you know, it's easier just to say that than it is kind of to do that. And a lot of it, I just, I'm so quick to, because I, re- I re-engineer and record myself and, you know, now I'll be mixing myself. So it's like, I can just kind of do everything myself. And then more than likely, once I get the drum tracks, I get everything laid out, I have B to come in and play uh, drums over whatever I do or another drummer to kind of fancy it up a bit, maybe have a guest or two here here and there. But um, that's kind of the way I'm, I've been working now. So. so it sounds like of those different approaches, the thing you're most comfortable with is kind of you doing most everything. Is, what it's, yeah. is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, especially, uh, you know, with the band, with the band situation, people like to get paid, including me, and, <laughs> you know, so sometimes it's, and I live out in the middle, I live out in the sticks, you know, nobody, it's hard to get mm. people out here sometimes, you know, and scheduling stuff. So it's, it's a little tricky sometimes. And I don't exactly live in a, a musical center like a, you know, like a Austin or Atlanta or a place like that where it's you know, a little bit more people to choose from. Uh, Orlando is a great place. And so is Tampa. Uh, Jacksonville is pretty, pretty good now, but uh, everything's kind of out toward the beach and more yeah. in town and like down in St. Augustine, I'm like out here in the sticks. But, uh, mm. you know, more, more so now I'm kind of more focused on uh, what can I do with a uh, recording wise to get some of these albums out because I'm, 50 52 i'm not 52 i'll be 53 this year so mm. uh if i got 10 albums worth of stuff i better get to work yeah i know. think that's so that, that number hit, like totally blew my mind when you said that because yeah. like so d- that's those are are those just i you mentioned bouncing around in your head are those just ideas bouncing around in your head or are those like demos or like things written down most of them are already demoed out uh Wow, I would I would swing around and show you this thing here. I just got there's I got them all. I had to go through about a year ago and start writing everything down, make sure mm. didn't lose any lose anything. And then every like, once in a while, that's like pen to paper or oh, just uh, no, I just write the titles down so I can keep track of them. Oh, Y'all okay. that get shit up here floating around your head and make you crazy. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then I started. I'm kind of digging this live streaming thing i've kind of put it on live streaming on the back burner just for the time being because i'm doing some other stuff it kind of takes a i got up to uh i've done about 50 or 60 of them in the past year wow wow and um i got it when i 
got the, the setup kind of fine tuned, run it through everything through a mixer and uh, got the production right. I got about 26 episodes off and um, between last August and uh, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've kind of put that on the back burner because uh, I'm trying to upgrade the production a little bit. And so I got to do a little construction work and some other bells and whistles and iron some things out. And I might, I might do another one pretty soon. We've, we've, we've talked about that on the show a little bit recently. Like I've been asking people what, because I think, so when this, when the streaming thing first happened, cause everybody was home, right. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of like you, you mentioned production. It was just sort of like people into their phone or there was like, you know, it, it was kind of garbage, but we didn't care because we got to see music and everybody was craving it and people needed yeah. an outlet. But do you think there's anything for you that endures in that, whether it be you continuing to live stream if things ever return to normal, you know, or even if not, if it if it becomes, do you think there's some sort of way to like, continue like make your record and support the record kind of virtually like do you do yeah you know that? i've 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 uh, not to cut you off did you have no, more no nope, that's <laughs> okay, it that's okay, it that's okay it. I, I started to get it and really seriously considering live streaming about about five years ago when it first kind of started popping up on facebook and you know it's been on youtube and stuff but the technology is just kind of was sort of there but uh and i started dabbling to it and then got the ob download the obs software and kind of went gung-ho with it about five years ago but i didn't get that i didn't get all the way there and i kind of got to went back to recording a record mm-hmm. um excuse me but uh when the covid hit last year um i was like okay now's my time to figure it out. And that's when I kind of, well, I started out streaming on the phone just so I could get going and then uh, started digging into the, the OBS and getting everything through a mixer and this getting, getting the, uh, using the what is it, chroma, whatever it is, where you get to put a picture up behind you, oh, scene uh, up behind you. Yeah. I forget what it's called. Some kind of app on know. there or plug in, but uh, anyway, just to put a virtual background behind you and then, go from there just so i could get up and run and and i kind of got it figured out and uh going forward i i my whole idea the past four years i've been thinking about it is to have like a a a situate a rig where i take it on the road or to gigs to live stream maybe not live stream every gig but Mm -hmm. uh try to work it in there you know and do a mix of it all you know because you know it's just like the whole thing, everybody in the world commuting two hours to and from work every day. Mm-hmm. It's like, how long can that go on? You know? Yeah. It's, you know, just, it's not sustainable in no way, shape or form. It's just over the past hundred years. Boom. This is where we're at. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing, just like touring, you know, it's just like, it just, and there's so many people on the world. There's so many people touring. There's so many bands now that nowadays it's just, you know, the world is just kind of getting shrinking. Mm-hmm. So to, to me, it's like that's where kind of live streaming come in. You can just kind of make anything out of it you want to. Uh, I've been considering 
are kind of working toward doing actual shows here at the house and live streaming them, you know, small intimate things. Yeah. And then, uh, but it all just depends on how, how, you know, quick I can get, not quick I can get together. It just takes time to kind of build it all, you know, making the production cool and, you know, having the money to, to buy this piece, to do that and just one piece at a time. But that's kind of where I'm looking at. Not saying I ain't never going to, I ain't never, uh, I'm never going to tour. You're, or anything you're like in good again. company, buddy. You can, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you, you can, you can say I ain't never. Nobody's yeah. gonna judge you here. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> that, uh, but I'm definitely looking at it as like a, you know, a way, a way to make it work. You know, just yeah. being able to push a button, coming here in this room and push a button and be able to reach a potential worldwide audience. Yep, is great. You know, you know, if you're, you know. If, if the hardest thing for me is to figure out is these algorithm things and yep in this that and facebook and all these other apps uh, apps platform putting the brakes on you yeah um yeah especially when you're not paying them um but uh yeah but for for instance i was talking about what you was talking about earlier without without with uh following your intuition and stuff mm-hmm. and i said during this during one of my streams i said uh following your, your gut you know listen to your gut and my live stream got removed from facebook because i'm sure that it says they thought i said gun <laughs> which is kind of weird man it's just because it flat the, the the warning they give me back or whatever you know said it, it had that it not gun it but had that it was directed toward that type of stuff so it's like he's like that is just that's weird given they they got to figure out their algorithms and stuff and it sure probably they, they probably just had the sensitivity turned up too high on it you know and then they had they got to dial it back or something but you know it's it's getting a little weird it, there, that's but, a, man that's a wild point you know like i yeah. I, I quit facebook I, the marinade is not on there at all and i'm not personally on there at all and yeah. um i quit it for a lot of reasons but um one of the things that happened that made me go like man fuck these people is i tried <laughs> i tried to put up an ad I had Trey Crowder on the show as a comedian and he, he yeah, yeah I know you're talking about. right. And he self applies the term liberal redneck. Like that's mm-hmm. what it's called the well-read tour that he and his comedy partners do. And so I had an, I, I tried to spend, I tried to give them money and, and promote that episode because people love that episode. And mm-hmm. I forget, it was like the anniversary of it or something. And I got it. I got a message back. They rejected it. And I got a message back saying that, you know, th- this violates our terms of service. And all it said was like, <laughs> here's, you know, episode whatever with the liberal redneck. And the, and the reason why they said was that it was like um, promoting hate or something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then if you it's know like, Trey, like he's the opposite uh, yeah. of promoting hate. And if uh, you know me, I'm the opposite of promoting hate. Right. And yeah. so she's like, oh, Jesus Christ, man. Fuck y'all. Um, I quit. It's, it's crazy. Man. <laughs> the, the world's a crazy place now. People are so triggered. And it's like, I've been, I've been, I mean, if you go back through and read the lyrics to what I write, there's only one conclusion you can come to. And it's, it's not racist. It's not this. <laughs> it's not that. It's like basically, hey, we're all one. It's love, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, this kind of thing, you know, uh, raising your 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 spiritual vibration that whole you know thing just like all the bands i love like you know all the music i love and then you get people and i write these things these uh uh posts on 
I have the past few years, just these philosophical observings, like a George, like what stuff a George Carlin would do or Bill Hicks or any, anybody like that. Yeah. Just philosophical, philosophical life observations. And then you get people who turn it, who they run it through their filter in their head and they mm. get offended because they think it means this. It's like, no, it doesn't mean that at all. I don't know where the yeah. fuck you got that from. <laughs> yeah, Whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. And they people like they're so busy applying labels and well, you know, and it, well, it's no, crazy. Because there's no dialogue there, right? That's yeah. the big thing. Like I, I don't engage. I love Twitter and I try yeah. to keep it as positive as possible. Today I posted something about DeSantis because it was just like Jesus Christ. Like what today was just crazy for folks listening. The today was the day that he signed this. Um, voter restriction bill and only allowed mm -hmm. Fox News to cover it and and ban mm -hmm. local media from covering it. It was just like this is the the shit that like we should all be agreeing on. You know, like mm -hmm. this isn't some sort of political thing. I'm saying I don't think right. it's just sort of like this is just basic human decency that we should have. You know, people should be able to vote and the press should be able to cover it and all yeah. you know all these things that I feel like we shouldn't debate but anyway on Twitter I don't really engage a lot in debates like that like if someone is going to respond to that and maybe they have while we're having this conversation and they yeah. say something negative I'm not really going to go back at them I may just say something you know diplomatic back to them but right. I, but the reason why I try not to engage that way and I haven't for a long time really even back in Facebook, when I had it, I would post things every once in a while and get a reaction. And I just, I wasn't looking for a reaction, but I tried not to respond too much because that's not a real dialogue. It's not, it's you know, not, you, no you, can't, you can't, yeah, you can't, uh, you can't convey emotion mm -hmm. or anything like that in these short, you know, paragraphs. And the problem with it, and I found this out, you know, too, on there, I did, I did it uh, for kind of to engage people and just kind of see how we're different people, how different people think and kind of understand where people are coming from. But uh, you get all into these like little side, if you post one thing, one paragraph, two paragraph, and then you end it uh, saying how you feel. And then you get 10 other people chiming in at the same time. You get off in all these side conversations and the point gets lost. And, well, you end up talking about, uh, this other bullshit that has nothing to do with the original yeah, topic. Yeah, you just yeah, you yeah. just can't stay on point with it. It's just ridiculous. And I think I'm almost thinking that you know something. This social media was designed to do that, just sure. to give. Let's make something to for people to engage in where they can just argue with one another. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you're in charge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's man. It does give you people know. a voice. Is the is the positive part of it, and the and the negative part it of that, is. of course, is that yeah. there's not a there's not a dialogue. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier. Um, you've mentioned throughout this conversation a few uh, influences on your music. What about things you're consuming now? Like what what has you fired? It could be mu not just music, but maybe TV or books or like art that right now has you fired up. Oh boy, uh, that's a hard one. I've just I've went back and I uh, listened to a lot of uh, um, the early Van Halen stuff. You know, the first the first five albums I, I got into that a lot going back let's call like the older led the, the red zep led zeppelin albums and um stuff that i liked when i was younger but dismissed once i got into blues and yeah. you know funk and all that that world and then kind of revisited visiting 
it and then kind of some stuff you like ooh yeah i don't know why i like that and then other <laughs> stuff you other stuff you come back and it's like wow that that's great you know like the uh the old arrows the the, the 70s aerosmith stuff is yeah. like that the the early van halen stuff is like that uh that aerosmith course, stuff doesn't get enough credit i feel like i feel like people oh, miss it so easily yeah that album i always love that album rocks man yeah Toys in the Attic is good too, man. But Rocks just has this vibe to it. Even though, even though some of the songs on Toys in the Attic are probably better songs, that's the vibe on the album. It's like a, like a, it's kind of like a Exile on Main Street, but just like menacing or something. You know, in the way the not musically, but in the way it's it just sounds like one cohesive album. You know, yeah, it's just uh, uh like that. But I'm hold on just a second i'm so sorry mm -hmm. my art we have two dogs and one of them always lets me know when the other one's fucking up so <laughs> came in here to let me know that i'll be right back i'm so okay sorry. okay i'll be right here She's such a snitch. All he did was grab a pillow, but she was like, I know he's gonna, you know, he's gonna tear that pillow up if dad didn't come stopping. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, the art, yeah. I'm got that that's I kind of going back through some of the older classic rock stuff. And uh, that's fun. That's a fun, that's a fun dive. The, uh past few days I've been listening to uh some of the uh late 80s and early 90s U2 stuff like the, the Joshua Tree and God, which is, is probably it's probably one of my, Joshua's he's probably my it, it's it's definitely my top five if not my favorite album of all time it's amazing and none of their other albums are in, in my top but that one is that's a great album that's the album that made me like them you know I'm and such, unforgettable I'm fire is good yeah and it's I tell you Edge is like super underrated he 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 doesn't play hot licks it's like you need to go back and listen to, you can go back and listen again man that stuff back then uh, so good some, man oh my god i then, I, play, uh, I play war probably like once a month i just love that yeah. record yeah i do too that's another great one too that uh but right around here uh i'm, I'm into uh, like a lot of building stuff right now just like i'm putting up you know using i've accumulated a lot of uh used fence used privacy fence and odds and ends and bricks and this and that and the other thing i'm just putting them trying to build stuff you know make the oh, house cool. around here not and everything Doing a lot of a lot of clearing of a um i got about uh it's right at an acre um uh -huh. i've been out here 17 years about 30 miles west of jacksonville out here in the middle of the woods okay. but uh i've kind of let it grow up into a jungle and uh i'm kind of trying to tame the jungle back a little bit now getting a little little, little crazy yeah <laughs> but uh that's that's where a lot of my energy is going right now so uh, i guess my art now is kind of nature are those like stuff and frankenstein sculptures that you're making or are you like building functional stuff or like oh no functional functional stuff functional. not a lot or i'm just like trying to uh you know make make the house nice again it's like right. a single wide like a 1990 single wide trailer that i've basically taken uh almost taken apart and put everything kind of build it back in together and fixing this reinsulating it 
yeah. putting new duct work in it and fixing the electric, doing this and that and the other thing. It's just one, like anybody else's house, it's, you're always working on something. I love that about my house. I yeah. love that I always have something to do and it keeps me, anytime I think that I might have like a chance to just sleep in and chill or whatever, there's something, <laughs> you know? And Yeah. I'm trying to get everything wrapped up around here and some loose ends tired up with all these projects I got on, on so I can kind of so I can get back into making music. You know? Mm-hmm. you know, I've been kind of out of it for a while, kind of dabbling back into it, you know, for a little bit. And then, that's kind of getting to it pretty good until till the till last year when the when the covid popped up and but uh i I think that's interesting man that 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 balance between all the like anytime you're a creative person uh the balance striking the balance is constant it sounds like for you it's not a problem of creating it's like it sounds like if you you have so many ideas and so many things that you want to create, if you just have yeah. the time to do it, you'll do it. Um, and of course, exactly. resources are part of it too, right? Like the things that yeah. you want to do, you need a certain number of resources to be able to put that into motion. You get you get kind of hamstrung yeah. um, if you don't have the time the the time resources, the monetary resources, the human capital, the emotional yeah. capital, all that stuff. But it sounds like you don't really have a problem writing or playing it's just a matter of finding all of those pieces yeah yeah and I, i've got you know i don't have a lot of storage space but i got a lot of shit stuffed everywhere so it's kind of like sorting through it and try. one thing i have done over the past three months is just went through everything i own and tried okay let me see what i got here that i can use instead of you know trying to you know how you get in the thing where you're going along okay i need this piece okay so, you know, a few weeks later, I got to need this piece. I need this piece. And you have a tendency to everything you already have is, is goes back to the storage space and you don't end up using it all. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm just kind of, kind of taking inventory of everything. Okay. What do I have that I can make work without having to get anything else? You know, yeah. kind of more, more of that approach, you know, kind of going the other way with it. Yeah. You know, too many sorting through the bells and whistles and <laughs> seeing what I got. Yeah. One thing is good is I fired up my computer that I thought in my 2005 uh, computer that I thought was on its way out about 10 or 12 years ago and kind of revamped it and figured out, hey, this works great. So, oh, nice. Uh, yeah. So the Pro Tools still works on it. So is there anything on there, like any any ideas or anything that you found that you were like, oh, shit, I forgot about this one? Uh, some stuff, but uh, most of that stuff I got on hard drives okay. scattered about. But uh, I try to get everything off there because I got a pretty good amount of space on it. So I just, I've been using it for like a backup drive. But I, I was like, you know something, let me get everything off here and just start using this thing again because it still works. And I, it has never been on the Internet which is probably why it still works. Cause ah. then, then Apple can't download their sabotage software. <laughs> you know, it's, you need a new computer you know? <laughs> yep. and, and all oh, these other, man. you know, software people that, you know, download their, you know, and all these other entities that download stuff onto your computer yeah. to uh, sabotage, sabotage and track. Yeah. Yeah. Man from seeing you play with this Jacksonville Symphony Orchestra to seeing you at Mojo Barbecue in Avondale to here, I am just amazed that 
that I got to have this conversation and it was, it did not disappoint. I really appreciate this, Daryl. This was so much fun. Oh, good, man. Thanks, me. Y'all have had fun, man. It's good talking to you. Good. It's like it's a fun podcast here. Good. That's the goal. Daryl Hans, y'all. Thank you so much, Daryl. What a pleasure. Thank all of you for listening. This was too much fun. DarylHans.com for all things Daryl, including physical copies of his wonderful records. MarinadePodcast.com for all things The Marinade, including written pieces, concert photography, marinade swag, and more. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Tell a friend about the show. Leave a rating and review on your podcast app. These are all free easy ways to support what we're doing above all else we just appreciate you listening if you really enjoy this thing and can swing it please consider joining our patreon community where for just a few bucks a month you can gain access to exclusive content like our show jason's journey where i talk about the moments that shape my creative life i also give a little window into the process of making the marinade sometimes i post episodes early sometimes i post the video from the episode if it's a zoom call um there's just fun stuff over there and and it's a deeper way to connect with the show so if you can swing it that would be great but again above all just keep listening and spreading the word i appreciate every single one of you who listens all right y'all it's time for what i'm getting down on the segment of the show where i talk about the art that is inspiring me at the moment the record i have on repeat is malcolm holcomb's forthcoming record tricks of the trade there is a uh, like three sun th- three song run on this uh album that just lays me out uh, i'm gonna be sure to keep you updated about it on social media when it comes out and i'm gonna reach out i did reach out and in, in hopes that i can get malcolm on the show um in the meantime check out malcolm's other work i've also revisited a band that i had not listened to in years uh holopaw To my knowledge, they haven't released any music in several years, but uh, I loved them and the music holds up. I don't remember. Yes, I do. The reason why I thought of Holopaw is because I was holding my dog's paw. He's got this new thing where he wants you to hold his paw. And I was holding Conundrum's paw. And uh, I just Holopaw and holding paw. There was something about the moment that made me think of the band, and then I thought that, that my partner Chris would in, would enjoy them, and I didn't know if she'd listen to them, and she hadn't. So we started listening, and that's just I've just that's where I, I got back to Holopaw. They're from Gainesville. Um, Tom Petty, Hot Water Music, Against Me, all the great tradition of Gainesville, Florida. Not that those things are all the same, but you get it. Check out Holopaw if you have not already, or if, like me, you haven't in years. Um, and I'll, I'll do some more research, see what, the, see what those guys are up to. Thank you again, Daryl. Thank all of you for listening. I am so grateful for your time and energy. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.